Hi, Mike Gibson and Dan Friedman coming to you live from ACC 2017. Dan, welcome to the show. Uh, left atrial occlusion. Uh, you know, we have a fair number of people out there getting older and older. You know, these days it seems whenever I send someone for cabbage or valve, they're like always 80 or 85, <laughs> you know. In the old days, that would have been, oh, they're too, too old, too high of risk. But now they're older, and as you get older, you have a higher instance of AFib. And if you have more valvular disease, you have a higher instance of AFib. So a common question is, you know, what do you do with these people? Do you uh, do an appendage closure, give them lifelong anticoagulants? You did a great observational study looking at outcomes with left atrial appendage closure. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, thank you. Well, as you know, thromboembolic risk is a major concern among patients with atrial fibrillation. And the older you get, the higher your risk for thromboembolism. Although oral anticoagulation with either warfarin or novel agent is associated with a significant reduction in thromboembolism and death. Uh, as you well know, less than half of all eligible patients take these medications. Mm -hmm. And so we're left looking for alternative And they may strategies. be eligible right now, but come a year later, they may not be eligible, Absolutely, right? mm -hmm. absolutely. And so we're left looking for alternative strategies to reduce the risk of thromboembolism in atrial fibrillation patients. One option that has been gaining increased uh, attention is appendage occlusion. That can mm -hmm. be done either percutaneously or surgically. Mm -hmm. uh, the study that we conducted uh, sought to get a better sense of the comparative effectiveness of surgical left atrial appendage occlusion at the time of cardiac surgery among patients with atrial fibrillation. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are people undergoing either uh, aortic or mitral valve procedure or cabbage. <laughs> they had AFib and then largely depended upon physician preference, right? They either had their atrium occluded or not. Yeah. And then they were compared to people who were discharged on uh, anticoagulants following their procedure. But were those people who were discharged on anticoagulants, were those people with new onset AFib or were those chronic fibrillators? Yeah. So all of the patients in our study had a history of atrial fibrillation. History of AFib. Mm -hmm. With an episode at least within the 30 days prior Mm -hmm. to the operation, and that's based on the definition used for the STS data collection mm -hmm. form. But, so you excluded new onset post-perioperative AFib, right? Correct. Okay, this was exclusively good. patients with a history of AFib yep. going into the OR. And what did you find? So we found that in our overall cohort of 10,524 patients, of whom 37% received appendage occlusion at the time of surgery, left atrial appendage occlusion in adjusted analyses was associated with an almost 40% lower risk of thromboembolism at one year, as defined by readmission for thromboembolic events using Medicare claims data. Wow. Yeah. And how soon were these strokes? I mean, were these periop strokes that you prevented, or were they late strokes? So this, our study sought to get a sense of the long-term potential benefit of appendage occlusion. And so we started, actually, our follow-up for strokes at the time of discharge. And so we looked at readmission for stroke. Okay. Uh, just to get, it, again, to shift the focus towards the longer-term mm -hmm, outcomes mm -hmm. associated with appendage occlusion versus mm -hmm. not. And in the model, did you adjust for operator? You know, some guys may do it a lot of the time. Some guys may do it very infrequently. Did you adjust for that? Yeah, so in our analysis, we adjusted for a wide variety of baseline characteristics as well as operative characteristics. Uh, we did not specifically adjust for the operator. There are some challenges with mm. doing that, mm -hmm. although, as you know, in many procedural spaces, the uh, volume of, sure. of surgery or, or, or procedure does have an impact on 
outcomes, and that'll mm -hmm. be an important thing to look at going forward, particularly in light of the fact that it's well known that some proportion of surgical appendage closures are associated with the residual communication that may actually increase the risk of thromboembolism. Hmm. And sometimes it's not always the surgeon, but it's the system of care at that hospital, the team. So, you know, there's two levels of adjustment. One is yeah. the hospital and the infrastructure adjustment, and then there's the particular operator adjustment as well. Yeah. Fascinating. So do you think this is enough to change practice, or do we need more data? Well, the fact that we found that appendage occlusion was associated with lower rates of thromboembolism and mortality suggests that this is a reasonable approach to patients with AFib undergoing already planned cardiac surgery. Mm -hmm. However, of course, until we have a higher level of evidence, namely a randomized trial, it's hard to interpret these data as a mandate that all surgeons should be practicing like X or Y. However, I do think it underscores the importance of considering appendage occlusion in patients with AFib undergoing cardiac surgery. Hard to know if you wanted a left atrial occlusion or if you want to go to a surgeon who does that, right? <laughs> that's, uh, that's always the question. Well, very, very, very interesting, very uh, provocative work, Dan. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for joining us here live from ACC 2017.